Colossians 4, 2 through 6, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. In other words, it means to stay awake, to be vigilant, be responsible, and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change, as Paul writes here. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, good morning, Renovation, and it's good to be wherever you are across the country and here locally, and just glad to be in this house today. Obviously, as Allie's already said, this is a heavy day for us, but we come on Resurrection Day Sunday because we believe that that's our great hope. And we're going to continue that over these next few weeks about the resurrection. Uh, hopefully, every Sunday is about that. But been working through, I said, shared with you about the ashes, to, about what we're going to do series-wise. And we're looking at ashes to fire going all the way to Pentecost with things that happen between Easter and Pentecost. So we're working on that. So uh, today's going to be one of those. Many years ago, a family member of mine is going to have to do, or a family member, a, a close friend of our family, I guess a better way to say it, was going on a weekend retreat called a walk uh, to Emmaus. And it's an, it's an intended time of, intentional time of going away for a weekend to work through spiritual things, spiritual renewal. And it's some things that, about it that, that when I heard it, I, I've said to you before, there was things when I was early on as a Christian uh, I didn't quite get. But when I heard that our friend was going on a walk to Emmaus, I thought they were saying a walk through Emmaus. And so that just stuck in my head that, okay, she, this person was in a mess for sure, and she needed to walk out of it, so she needed to go away for a weekend. So that's what I thought the whole time, a walk to, through a mess. So that stuck with, I don't know how long I thought that, until somebody finally clarified it for me, for me and laughed at me at the same time. So over the years, I have looked at this passage of Scripture we're going to read today in Luke chapter 24, and this always comes to me. Now, this again is set up, just so you know, uh, this, this is Easter afternoon, and the risen Christ is going to appear to two disciples that we're going to read, and they're walking along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about six or seven miles, and as we'll read, they had heard the report that Jesus was alive However, there was still some question in their mind whether that really was true. And why this story is important, as, as obviously uh, we believe all Scripture, but one of the things is, I don't know if this ever happens to you, sometimes I am reading Scripture and I go, that's me. I see myself right there. I don't know if this ever happens to you, and, but it does. And, 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 and this one, as I read, I go, that very well could have been me. As, as these disciples. And no doubt, we look around at what's going on in the world, and maybe even before COVID-19, but especially now, we are in a mess, I guess is the best way to say it. As I said last week, one of the most difficult parts about this is that you're having to make decisions for your family, for us as a church, for our community, for our country, for the world, and you're making those decisions, especially as leaders, you're making those decisions 
with partial, most of the many times, bad information, or sometimes somebody's giving you wrong information intentionally, I guess, maybe, I don't know, to influence you, but especially, you're just not getting the whole picture, and you're still having to make decisions. I hope today gives us some direction on that. Obviously, there's a lot of decisions we all have to make, but hopefully the, the, today's passage of Scripture will help us some. It's a lot. It's actually almost, uh, well, it's over 20 verses, so I'm going to read it, and uh, uh, hopefully it won't take too much time, but I think it's important we read it. Now, that same day, two of them are going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, I think it's a great question to ask Jesus, huh? Are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on, dude? What is happening? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word indeed, from God. Uh, and and all the, God and all the people, the chief priests and our, and our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they have, had, had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just, just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer, suffer these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going no further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost here. So he went in to stay with them. So when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked him, they asked the other, were not your hearts burning within us? Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned to, at, at once to Jerusalem. Therefore, they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them and broke the bread. What's amazing about this passage of scripture, again, like I said earlier, you find yourself here if, if, if maybe you don't, but I do. And one of the things I thought was interesting as I read this is the first thing they do is refer back to Jesus as a prophet. Somewhere along the way, because he was crucified, they had lost this respect for him to some degree because now they're reluctant to call him the Messiah. And they use, the phrase here is, we had hoped. In other words, they had seen him, as we've talked about many times, what the, even all the disciples had seen him as that promised deliverer physically right then. All the fulfillment, all the miracles, all the teachings, in their mind at this point, washed out. He had been downgraded from the Messiah to a prophet. 
Still a lot of respect in the Hebrew culture, or the Hebrew faith that, of, of prophets, but it's different. But I think these guys are a lot like us in this sense. Blinded, I guess by lack of a better term, with a preoccupation by their own immediate difficulties. How often do we get in the middle of something and we see our difficulties where we don't see maybe a bigger picture? One of the things we have a tendency to do, and I think it's all humans do this in Christ, by coming to Christ, it begins to lift us out of this. But one of the things we all, all, all humans do is that we kind of think that the whole world revolves around us. We're the main uh, characters. We are the, we are the, uh, we're the star of the show and everybody else is bit players. I know you think that may be an overstatement, but I think it comes out of the nature that we're born with, the self-centered nature that somehow or another, as much as we love everybody around us, until Christ comes into our life and begins to change the way we look at things, it still uh, filters through us first. With these two disciples, this sadness and hopelessness seemed to present to them from seeing, it seemed to keep them from seeing God's redemptive purpose in the middle of all this. And it's just a point, and you, you know, I, I hate to use the term point, but just something I put here, and you could say, the enemy has us concentrate on what didn't happen instead of what God has already done and is doing. Let me say it again. The enemy has us concentrate on what didn't happen, where you don't think God came through or something didn't happen, instead of on what God has already done and what he is doing. Because Jesus points out to them the root of the problem, right, right, right? He says to them, you've been told by the prophets, and if they're disciples, there's a chance they've memorized this. They know what the prophets have said. But somehow, some way, should I sing? <laughs> I hear music in the room. But Jesus points out the root of their problem. Their failure to accept what was taught. I know over and over you will hear us talk about here in the church why it's so important to be in Scripture. But one of the reasons why we need to be in Scripture is to remember what Jesus said. Why is it important for us to, to be filled with the Spirit? Because the Spirit, Jesus says, will remind you of everything that I have said. You know, I, I look at this, and we look at all that's going on around us. We realize in the middle of all this, there really is almost no separation that I can see. And I know someone may disagree with me. Uh, whether you believe in Christ or you don't, if you, whether you do or whether you don't, this is still affecting you. So whether you have faith or don't have faith in Christ, we're all in this together. And one of the things I think sometimes is we... Look at our, in the troubles we may be in, the mess we may be in. If we look at Christ as the one and it begins to hurt our faith, going, well, why would Christ let this happen to me? One thing I am convinced of, the resurrection breaks us great, brings us great promise. The resurrection tells us that not only we'll have life now, an abundant life, Jesus says, but we'll have it eternal. It's the reason why we can celebrate today. And every Sunday, 
You know, I, Allie said earlier, as I emailed her this morning, as I said, hey, I've got one more verse that I need to send to you. Could you put it in there? And this is before I've got my, I heard from Allie, before I heard, saw what Jeff, and I said, can you put John 16, in? Because it reminds us. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, if you don't remember what Jesus said, you will mistake something that maybe is going on. That somehow or another, maybe you even did something wrong. Maybe it's a faith thing. You didn't, but all these things are happening. Or maybe, just maybe, it's part of being human, one, but also a part of following after Christ. Last night, I stepped on a scorpion about 8 o'clock last night. You know what? I got stung. Not, and it wasn't a faith issue for me. It wasn't the fact, well, if I was a Christian and, I, and, and really living by faith, it wouldn't have hurt me. It hurt, and it hurt for a couple of hours. My point is this. In this world, we as Christians, along with those who are not, have got challenges. And even in the darkest times, Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you walk with me. Can we embrace our circumstances without distorting them? No matter how tragic they seem. And I think sometimes we look at this and, and, and we go, we've been preaching on the resurrection now for, uh, for three weeks. And I think sometimes it's almost like people go, okay, now we get it. Just kind of move on. Part of it is the resurrection matters. But why does all this matter? Why do I keep coming back week after week in my heart? I believe why I've done it. It's because how you answer the question about Jesus, is he alive, determines how you see everything else. Because for me, if I believe Jesus is alive, it begins to make sense about everything else. Suffering or celebration and everything in between is just part of it. Is there a purpose to life? And one of the biggest things I think was a huge part for me was uh, many years ago when I came to Christ was I straddled the fence for so long. It was I wasn't quite sure I wanted to be in, but the reality was things continue to happen either way, whether I was a Christian or not a Christian, because in this world we will have trouble. But what did happen was I began to see the world differently when I came to Christ. I began to see there was a bigger story going on. I didn't just get stuck in my moment right then. One of the things I realized was that commitment brought power. Commitment, decisiveness, deciding to follow Christ brought an unusual power. We'll talk about just here in a minute about what happened to these disciples. But it brought power to move forward. Even in the middle of a mess, I continue to look to his word. What did he say? And try not to miss it. Second thing I would say in here, in verse, found in verse 28 and 29, and even 32, or excuse me, 31, is the gift of free will. We can use it to invite Christ to enter our lives or allow him to pass on by. 
without the invitation, and again, I don't know the answer to all this, but it seems as I read this, without the invitation, would Jesus have stayed? See, the plans for my life have a whole lot to do with what I decide and how I choose. Because inviting him into their lives, their eyes were opened and they recognized him more than a simple, than just some companion they were walking with. I remember my experiences with Jesus before I came to know Christ, before I came to know him as my Savior. At 16 years old, 15 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old, he, he kept showing up. <laughs> he kept inviting. He kept inviting. He kept inviting. He kept wanting me to invite him in, though. He kept wooing me. He kept... And I didn't make the invitation. I know a lot of times we say Christ invites us, which he does, and it's provenient grace that draws us. But we also ask him into our lives. Ask him to stay. Ask him to take up residence in our lives. And one of the things I realized after I became a Christian was the natural man does not understand supernatural things. So there's things I just couldn't see. But here's what the invitation did for these disciples. It says their eyes were open. And the reality is right here, these guys probably knew Scripture. For me, when I was 26 years old and came to Christ, I didn't even know Scripture, but my eyes had been opened. I think in the middle of all this, as you've heard me pray already, and I think I prayed even closing last Sunday, in the middle of all this, we need supernatural eyesight. Our eyes that are open. We, I'm praying for wisdom right now. I'm praying for a, 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 a knowledge that from our president, for around the world, to our local leaders, to people in their homes and hospitals and first responders for wisdom, not just intellect, but wisdom. I appreciate all the science and I'm not trying to push back, but we need wisdom. We need supernatural insight to where we're going. Jesus mentioned already to the disciples, we, we had read it before, I preached on it before in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, 35, I like what he says, it says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? You guys are asking, and, 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 I, and I look at that and says, you guys, Jesus is saying, you guys are asking for something that is currently happening right now, not four months from now. Again, let me say this. He said, you guys say, don't you have a saying that say four months from now is the harvest? He's saying, Jesus says, I say, open your eyes. The harvest is now. To be watchful. The word continues to say, the risen Christ came near and went with them, opening the disciples' eyes to his presence and lighting the fire of God's love in their heart. I love, I looked up these two words here, heart and fire. Heart is cardia in the Greek, but I love what it says. Uh, and, and it's, it's the effective center of our being, the heart is, our mind, character, will, and intention. It's the capacity of moral preference by choice. The desire producer, this makes us tick, that establishes who we really are, our heart. It is, our, it is our desire maker. And burning means to ignite. So what they're saying is, when they were with Jesus, something about being with him caused them to desire to be more. 
to desire to become something different than they were. It burned within them. I don't know about you. When I came to know Christ, and everybody comes at different paces and different, different stages and different ways, as we all know, and I've said before here, if you only had the Bible, how many different ways are there to come to know Christ? There's a bunch. So we know that many of us have come in different ways. For me, not knowing what the first book of the Bible was, but there was something when I gave my life to Christ. I walked that aisle and I stood there in that Baptist church in Hooks, Texas, a decisive decision that started a burning in my heart and I wanted to be different. That's what hanging out with Jesus does to people. Just why every day you need to be in his word. Even why every day you need to be in his, if you can, not only just sense his presence, but ask for his presence. Because it causes you to want to be more and a desire to live it out. I am convinced, as I know he did for me, that God goes to great lengths to have this relationship with us. As we talked about in last week in Genesis 3, God came looking for Adam and Eve. John 3, 16 and 17, that most of you already know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not, have, shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's how much he loves you. We see it throughout Scripture. I mean, there's some crazy ways that God sh- that shows up from a lion's den to a fire to, to, I mean, through a burning bush. There's a lot of different crazy ways, but I think most of the time he comes in pretty simple ways to us. I think he comes to us through creation. He comes to us through circumstances like even COVID-19. He comes to us, to us through the word. He comes to us through other people. But I'm convinced of this. How God speaks is not near as important that he does speak. And many of you have heard me say this story years ago about the the old preacher, old country preacher that went out and knocked on this guy's door one day. The old farmer opens the door and the preacher says that God told him to come out and speak to him that day. And that, that old farmer looks at that old preacher and says, sir, I've heard that before that God spoke to someone. He said, when God spoke to you, was it out loud? That old preacher hesitated for a second. He said, no, it was louder than that. God used a diet of all things to bring me into the kingdom. Of all things, a crazy, silly diet. He can use anything he wants if we will listen, if we will recognize him. But to me, Christ comes in the simplest of places. I mean, I look at Matthew 25, and you can go look that up and read it today if you would. When you say, when did you see me, Jesus? When did we see you, Jesus? When you've done it to the least of these. In the simplest of places. And I know sometimes we see Christ show up in a crisis and go, wow, man, all these things were going on and all this terrible. And all of a sudden, I, I recognize Christ in the middle of all of it. One reason is because we begin to say, I don't have anything else to hang on to is the reason why we recognize him in those moments. But I think he's there and be, wanting to be recognized all the time. I love what John Ortberg says. 
It says, once you see God in an ordinary moment at an ordinary place, you never know where he'll show up next. I think spiritual growth, one of the parts of this is simply increasing our capacity to experience the presence of God. And no doubt, COVID-19 has interrupted our lives. And again, across the board, it doesn't matter who you are, it has interrupted our lives. But that, the question becomes, can I experience God in the interruptions? And I believe the answer is yes. I know this week, even though we have known for a while, for Betty, that it might not be any time before she goes sees Jesus. But sitting with her on Monday, knowing that and holding her hand and talking to her. The presence of God was there. And just got to be able to tell her how much I loved her. But also in that moment, you realize this is a strange thing. Knowing this woman I love so much that I've known so long. This will be the last time I hold her hand on this side of heaven. But I had a great hope, even though I walked out of there sad, I also walked out of there with joy, knowing that there was a great hope. In the middle of all the things that go on in our lives, many years ago, Jan and I were coming out of a ballpark, Old Comiskey Park, in 1990. And there was a young man there with a bucket. We didn't go to, she could be there on vacation. We didn't go there for God to show up. We went there to go see the Cubs, not a big fan, but to see Wrigley Field. That's a better way to say it. Wrigley Field, I'm a Cardinal fan, and to see Old Comiskey Park. Last year it was open. That's why we went. Then we went to Bush Stadium on the way back, and, and, and so that's why we went. We went to see baseball. We didn't ask God to show up. That wasn't what we were there for, even though we were Christians. But walking out of Old Comiskey Park, there was a young man there that looked like he'd been burnt from head to toe. I don't know, had, had his hand missing, but had a bucket hanging on his arm. And, and, and as, he, as he walked by asking for money, it's for, and again, I'm from Texarkana. We don't see that much there about people asking for money like that. And Jan and I, we put money in the bucket, and Jan and I continued to walk. And I mean, I don't know how far we walked. We, we looked at each other, and we had tears rolling down our face. And, and we realized something happened right there. We didn't really know what it was. I went and told my friend uh, about it, and it was the pastor at Texarkana, Jack. And he said, hey, you need to go meet Brother Paul Holderfield. This man does this all the time. It changed my life. And I didn't know as I met Paul Sr. in 1990 that I would eventually be on staff somewhere. I wasn't wanting to be on staff. I wanted to stay at Alumax and work at the aluminum mill, work my way up, and at 30 years in, at 56 years old, retire and get another career. That's what I wanted to do, but God interrupts. He wants us to fall into our purpose and to live into our purpose, I think, greater than we do. And he's trying to reveal himself. He's trying to get us to recognize him in the midst of all this. What is he up to? Dallas Willard says that there's a divine drama going on around you. And our participation in it is critical. We're no longer spectators caught up. We're no longer spectators, but we are caught up in a vivid and eternal drama in which we play an essential role. You are valuable. What you, does, what you do matters. Because the good news is, friend, because you matter. 
And what I love about this passage of scripture, that it's not the end. And we maybe come back to that next week. It's really just the beginning for these disciples. They thought it was the end because the word says that they took off. They went and told the other disciples, he's alive. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Robbie Zacharias says, back to the choice of inviting him in. He said, God gives us this sacred gift of choice. But God does not give us the privilege of determining a different outcome to what the choice will entail. The consequences are bound to the choice. Deciding is powerful. Committing to him is powerful. Committing to his word is powerful as a believer. Knowing and recognizing him in the simplest of places. Reckon, looking, I used to tell our teens all the time, and I've, you know I've heard said it here many times, to get your head up and look, ask for the eyes of Christ to see what's going on around you, to not only recognize Christ, but recognize how you can be used to advance the kingdom. Andy Stanley talks about the principle of the pathway, how critical it is we choose the right path beyond not only the road and the path at Emmaus, but choose the road for life. Because what road you choose takes you where it takes you, no matter how great your intentions were. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come, and we're going to pray and, and close in, in a song. For some of you as believers, in the middle of all this, you've recognized that you've, you've not recognized Christ in this. You've not stayed in the word, and I'm not making you try to feel bad. That's not my point. What I'm asking you is, in the midst of all this, his word comes and gives us comfort and peace. But for some of you, this whole COVID thing, maybe you've started watching renovation, but maybe it has nothing to do with renovation. Maybe you're, you're, you're reading the word, or maybe some other circumstances has come along, but somehow or another, things are coming together right now in your life, and you're going, okay, this is unusual. And you're beginning to recognize that there's more to all this. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, I am the path. I am the road. And if you're in a mess today, and all of us are part in one together, but maybe yours is even more specific right now. You're in a mess. I've got good news. And for some, it may be bad news. Now, I don't mean it to be bad news, but the good news is Jesus is the answer. The bad news for some of you may be, I want a different answer. But see, 10 years from now, you may come back and say, hey, Kurt, what's the answer? Jesus is the answer. He was the answer then. He's going to be the answer later. We talked about a few weeks ago. He, is in the, he was there at the beginning. He's there in the middle with us. He will be there at the end. He still is the answer. But he asked us to invite him in. And our eyes will be open to being born again 
to have eyes to see what we couldn't see before, ears to hear what we couldn't have heard before, a tongue that would speak in a way of words that we never could have spoken before, feet that would go somewhere that we never would have gone for because we didn't have the courage to do it, hands to, to work, to be born again. Friend, through all this, in the middle of all this mess, Don't get so focused on what God hasn't done, what you don't think has happened. Focus on what has been done and what is going to be done. It's powerful of what he can do in your life. It burns within you. And when you hang out with Christ, it begins to change the heart of why you do what you do. Let me pray for us and we're going to sing. Lord, we come before you today thanking you for who we are in you. Thanking you, I can personally say that I recognized you walking by. And Lord, in the middle of that, in the middle of all that's going on, as we mourn, many of us, and we know we're not alone in the Goodwin and Gentry family today of mourning, because this happens every day. But especially during this window of time, Lord, in many ways we seem to be in all this together. Help us, Lord, to look to you as our comforter. We just thank you, Lord, for this time. Lord, I pray right now for those who would say today, too many circumstances have come along for this to be a coincidence. This truly is my time to accept you as into my life. Open my eyes and open my heart that will burn for you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I searched the world But it couldn't fill me And man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together and every desire is now satisfied here in your love. There's nothing better. No, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing. And nothing is better than Not afraid, and I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the 
seen. Come on. Then you give beauty for ashes. And you turn shame into glory. And you're the few weeks. Hope never gets old. Peace never gets old. Joy never gets old. This kind of love never gets old. Hope has a name. Peace has a name. Joy has a name. Love has a name. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, we just pray over you. We have been. We're lifting you up. We can't wait till we get to be in this room again together. Uh, who knows when that'll be, but we'll keep coming to you. And uh, blessings on you. Be praying for us also this week. But God bless you. Have a great week in his name. Blessings.